Welcome to our Anything Goes podcast, and uh, this is part two of a discussion we're having with uh, Dr. Josh Cruz, one of the pastors here on staff at Village Church. Uh, just a reminder, we are keeping great distance from each other mm-hmm. as we are recording this to make sure that we are not doing something we shouldn't be doing with health and all that sort of stuff with, uh, with coronavirus going around. Uh, but really, it's coming back to that issue and the effect that that is having on us as a society and as individual human beings right now. Uh, we talked about certain things like fear and loss of control in the last one. What I want to talk about in this episode is more of how we're going to deal with the issue of isolation right now. Uh, before we jump into that, a quick question for you, though, around isolation. So imagine you were isolated on an island and you were stranded for, uh, say, one year. You didn't know what the future held, if you'd ever be found or anything, but you had one year for sure you knew you were stuck on this island by yourself, no one else around. What is the serial you would bring, hmm. the album you would bring to listen to, the book to read, and the movie to watch? Okay. Cue me on these. Cereal. I pulled away from cereal, but I honey bunches of oats. Honey uh, bunches of oats. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> if I okay. re-entered, yeah. All right. <laughs> it's got a crunch. It's sweet. It's crunchy. Yeah, That's a good a choice. Bit of health in there. You can eat it too if you don't have milk, but you can just snack on True. it. True. So it's yep. probably a good. Actually, it's a good choice. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's good. Okay. Uh, book. Um, Bible. Uh, okay. Non-Bible. Okay. 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 Jesus. Um, <laughs> oh, what would I bring? Uh, I'd, uh, I'd probably go fiction. Um, uh, Randy Elkhorn, uh, a long time ago I read, I mean, it's a series, but uh, he's got like Dominion and Deadline and all that. And it's a nice balance of like, there's a bit of theology in there. It's a true, it's a story that you get pulled into and mm. it's like humor, comedy uh, in there as well. So I think it was um, Deception actually is the mm. name of it. So cool. probably hey, reread album, that. Music. Um, yeah, probably a worship, um, not trying to do Sunday school here. Uh, but yeah, probably maybe like a Hillsong, um, worship album Uh compilation would, would be ideal, but movie, movie. (laughs) Uh, so my favorite movie of all time is Dumb and Dumber. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, I can't redeem that one except for man, if I'm going to be on an island, Dumb and Dumber every night alone on an island. Oh man. I, yeah, I try to space it out. Even since my first oh, so watching, a schedule. Of it, yes, because <laughs> it becomes a little less funny uh, over time. But yeah, that, yes. that's one of those. Especially if I'm on an island for a year, I'm going to need some humor in there, and it's just so stupid. It's funny. Um, so love that, and all the little one-liners and everything. That's funny. Okay, so you said honey bunches of votes, <laughs> some sort of worship compilation album. What was the book you said again? Uh, uh, I think it's Deception by Randy Alcorn. Okay, Deception. And then Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what it's it would be mix, for. What it? would it be for me? It'd probably be like Lucky Charms as a cereal. Because hmm. then I can feel like I have candy if I want to just eat the marshmallows for a while, like at night. Ooh, but then I could like have just a healthy part. Well, it's not really healthy, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, album, I don't know. That's a really hard one. Like, oh man, I don't even know what I would say. Book, maybe something like super depressing, like Camus or something. <laughs> like, so I could always feel like it could be way worse. Hmm. You know, I could be reading this and be like, man, I'm glad I'm not yeah. enduring what's in this book right now. Movie, I don't know. Maybe what like kind of Casablanca or something oh, okay. where it's just like so good. And it gives you a little bit of hope, you know, and hmm. humanity and 
you can kind of escape and it's just brilliantly done. I don't know. So you got the, this is going to take me down, but then I can see that it's not so bad. And then you've right. got the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have we covered all the bases? <laughs> so sure. I can feel true yes. human experience while I'm stranded on the island, careful. every piece of it. Okay. So that's, I mean, kidding aside, isolation is actually a big issue right now. Mm -hmm. uh, this is maybe like one of the bigger things is people feeling like I'm going nuts because I didn't realize how much I rely on not being confined. And we were even talking mm -hmm. about this joking before we, we started rolling that this kind of like isolation is a criminal punishment when mm -hmm. you're in jail. So if you're like a murderer in jail and then you do something bad in jail, they make you do this. Yes. But now we're saying as a society, this is good for everyone if we all do this in order because of the pandemic of coronavirus. But it's not. It's actually really bad, and mm -hmm. it can be really hurtful and harmful to us as human beings. So tell us, with isolation, what goes into all of that? Like, what is the psychology behind what isolation makes us feel so that we can maybe identify it and, and understand how to deal with it? Mm -hmm. No, I'm with you. This is so real. We have to comply with it. Um, and it's, man, it's, like, painful. Um, and even it can be physically painful being... Uh, like significant uh, social deprivation in there too, because it's 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 wired into us. Like we are deeply relational beings. I mean, it totally points back to uh, God wants us to have a deep, um, intimate relationship with Him. So it's like mm -hmm. within our fabric shows up down on the cell level, even in terms of stress hormones and actually bonding hormones too. So oxytocin's a case in point where. Um, it's actually a hormone within us that when we make physical contact, breastfeeding, um, sex, or even orgasm, there can be uh, oxytocin release, physical contact, um, reaching out. It's a way to actually bring a soothing within our body to mm. then fight cortisol, which is a stress hormone level. So even down um, to that, that great of a depth within our physiology, we then need these things. Um, we need other people. Um, it's interesting, a lot of the research even looking at, uh, like going back, uh, orphanages where it's like, oh, your base level stuff or Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, mm. where, uh, yeah, you've got food, shelter, warmth, you're good, right? Uh, we're then solid. But no, there's actually a basic fundamental need for human connection and contact um, to where they've found, and it, terms have changed over time, but psychosocial dwarfism um, where, uh, or even failure to thrive, where there's very limited contact, where, uh, let's say, these orphanages where they had the food, the shelter, the warmth, but they didn't have that emotional connection and contact, uh, that bonding. Um, the kids would get sick that much quicker. Um, mm -hmm. They wouldn't grow. This is the psychosocial dwarfism piece of it. Uh, they wouldn't grow to be the same height as um, what would be expected for them. Like physical changes happening in them because of a lack of that social interpersonal connection. Mm -hmm. Like that is powerful if you really yeah. think about it. That is a basic fundamental need then within us as well. And so, yeah, we can fight off sickness. That's, that's the catch-22 of all of this. It's the more stressed we are um, and uh, the less physical contact we have and more isolated, the risk is, um, and not completely, our immune system's not functioning to the greatest extent. However, and I'll throw this in um, right here, that we can actually build our immune functioning back up socially, and it doesn't have to be through physical contact. Mm. That's just the best form of it. Like right. in a safe relationship, when somebody reaches out, whether it's hand-holding, hugging, uh, just even that proximity piece, that's the most powerful release of oxytocin, skin-to-skin um, -skin contact. 
However, there are gradations of that where even like right now there's an aspect because you are a safe person um, that there's some oxytocin. <laughs> it's a real bonding mode. Even though we have two tables in between us, I feel close right now. Uh, but there's actually a soothing that happens then mm. within us. Um, and we're not, we're, we're obeying the social distancing criteria then for today. And so um, we can actually find some of that even in the absence of it. But yeah, to come full circle, the further the distance from physical contact, direct physical contact with someone, uh, the greater uh, the kind of depreciation, so to speak, of oxytocin levels in us, of bonding levels, of connection levels within us to where, yeah, it can get, it can get really difficult. Um, uh, one other experiment that I think highlights this too. So they did this, uh, we can tolerate stress, we can tolerate difficulties, knowing somebody's in it with us. Once again, the best is if they physically can be with us, but if not, just even we internalize people and having them um, within proximity to us to where they gave the same shock to three different groups for, and they would rate their pain. First group, they had nobody with them and they rated their pain. Next group had just somebody from the experiment with them show up and sit within proximity to them and they would rate their pain. Third group had somebody, a loving person in their life. Exact same shock levels. The, the levels of pain were significantly different group by group. Hmm. The most pain uh, was reported by the first group. They had nobody. They were fully isolated in that experience. It was hardest, most difficult to then endure and go through. The next group had just another human. Like you've got a heartbeat, you can breathe and you're not dangerous. Okay, um, I'm actually feeling more calm, less pain as a result. And the most powerful, same shock right across, uh, was for those who had a loved one um, that was then there for them in this. That is the power of what we can actually provide to people on both ends. Isolation apart from any contact from people, even just uh, talk, text, email, FaceTime, whatever it is, man, that pain is great. The fear can be great. But man, when we have people that are, we're connected to that are safe enough and we know that we're not doing this on our own, ultimately having God then in that with us and through them in that we can endure whatever it is that we're going through mm -hmm. the best that we can. Right. It's powerful. Yeah, so you mentioned something there I thought was really interesting, that the, the physical human-to-human -human connection of in-person is the best. There's a sort of a scale almost, it sounds like, of but if you can only get this other kind of human connection, it's still better than none, and there's a scale, I guess, to that. So I'm curious, though, to hear you talk to us about that first bit, because obviously we're limited right now. And so the reality is we can't have all the physical human to human contact that we might want, but I want to just mine into that a little bit because I want to understand that better. Um, what is it that you're saying is the best about actual human contact? You know, people, you know, we're joking right now these times, you know, like, well, I am an introvert, so I'm loving this, you know, and they're all like, mm -hmm. I'm an extrovert and I'm going crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but I think behind that, there seems to be, you know, that's a funny, you know, joke. But actually deeper, whether you're an introvert or extrovert, I think isn't the issue. There's something there about when you're in the room with another human, it's different. Mm -hmm. That's something we even looked at here. Uh, one of the teams here on staff that I was working with and said, you know, they were, they were having challenges because they kept doing some video meetings and then they were doing some emails and were doing these things to try and get a project over the line. And I said, you know, my advice is get in a room. Because the whole nature of the conversation, how people feel, how they'll inter interact with each other, what they'll say, what they'll commit to changes when you're actually looking at a person across mm -hmm. the table from you who's physical. 
And so there's just, it seems to me something there. And I want to mind that for a sec before we talk about the reality and learn how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. What is that? Why? Why is it that real human face-to-face -face is different? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I think of uh, so something called mirror neurons in our brain. So if I then raise my hand right now, you have mirror neurons in your brain making the same sort of action step. This is where modeling can be powerful as what I am doing. How do you, how is that firing? How are we connecting in that way? Cause I'm here with you. Like you can see me, I can see you even. Uh, so your head's nodding, whatever's happening. I'm taking that in. It is imprinting. It is showing up on my brain. A lot of it's just our wiring. Like that's in us, it's adaptive. How, how do kids like, so then your kids watching your actions or your facial expressions as you, oh, wow, that's so good or surprise or even sadness. And they will then, we then are adapting within that. If you just, uh, so let's go a uh, phone call. I mean, we're still picking up on intonation and tone mm, and yeah. even so this counseling age that we're in right now, our age is probably too grand, but a uh, pocket of time we're in. Um, there's a difference between in-person relative to now we're doing everything through um, online or video conferencing relative to then phone stuff. Mm. And so I was even talking with my counselors about that where we're going to be quite limited for the people that don't have the ability to do a video conference. It's more supportive. We're going to hear, we're going to listen, we're going to create that space, understand, pray for those who have consented or uh, want that to be part of their counseling and that's what we can do there but video we can do a little bit more um, so we talk about the levels we can engage and actually research shows that you can engage um, there isn't a big uh, significant difference between in person and through zoom but the huge part is am i intending to engage with you and am i trying to then figuratively hold you in this experience mm. is there an understanding right. i think that's the the intentions are big uh, where so even getting in the room the intentions are more likely because why are we here it's implied to hear each other to see each other right. to actually connect with one another yes around this topic or whatever this thing is or sometimes that's the beauty of just hanging out um, so uh, Rachel's from a Dutch family and uh, they have a word called gezellig uh, not Dutch at all so I've learned that but it's when we're like sitting here and it's just this nice vibe it's like mm -hmm. this is good well, wait a minute, we sit on these couches other times. No, it's because we are here. Right. We are doing community. And it's not necessarily because this person said that or that person. No, we're just, we're together. It's presence. There's a togetherness. Yeah. Absolutely. That presence is powerful. Whereas, um, it's actually my mother-in-law's birthday, so we're going to do a FaceTime happy birthday thing, like between each of the families. And I don't even know what that'll be like. I really don't. But my hope is we can, by intention, actually engage, not then looking around our rooms at everything else, but then actually taking this in, maybe even looking at the camera every once in a while instead of the screen. And we can get a little bit closer to some of that connection piece mm. that is missing. We'd rather all be together to celebrate. Right. That's not the time that we're in. We're in a different reality. So can we make the most to actually lean in and like, I'm wanting to be here with you. You matter. I want to be here for you as well. Right. So this is why I think this might be really important is because at some point, um, I mean, God willing, and we all hope we won't be in this current reality mm -hmm. for the rest of all of our lives. And so we'll go back to something else. And what, what I find really fascinating is just as a technological society, we've actually come to a point where we have replaced physical relationships with digital relationships all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen um, just through stats and, and clinical research the levels of loneliness and all of these things increase because we've made that trade. What's interesting listening to you talk though, is you're kind of saying there is a way to perhaps mitigate some of that 
you know, in a moment now where we have to be digital, that's crucial. But even going forward after this moment, we're in this digital world. And so how could we, you know, in your words, how could we be better at navigating a digital world now? Yes, with some practical tips, but then to carry that on into the rest of our lives, because yeah, we sort of think that someone liking our Instagram post is actually a human being telling us they like us when it isn't. Mm. And so we trick ourselves into thinking that, but it's empty. And so we end up replacing real stuff with fake stuff and digital stuff. So can you speak to that a bit? What are some of those things we can do now to navigate this isolation well, since we have to digitally, but then going forward so that we can be different in the digital age than maybe people who aren't listening to this or people who aren't in our in, in the church and that kind of thing. So what, mm -hmm. what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, so then as, and that's my hope, my prayer, my anticipation, we come out of this um, and in, in some ways return. I hope that we don't return, return. Like, and that's the beauty of going through something that it impacts us. It shapes us, the awareness, the pieces uh, that we had in place. The puzzle looks different now. And what are we going to put back? And so I, I hope it is this, that uh, many of the positives uh, that we're actually able to reach people in new ways, like, I mean, through technology, engage with people in new ways. So, yeah, here at Village, we're doing then online services, as many other churches are. That was our intention going forward. We're in it. We're doing it like the time yeah. is now. And so how do we keep that going? Because that was that was our plan anyways to have that going. How do we do that really well? And I think this is part of the beauty of you discover in the extreme states. That's mm. where um, you understand things to a smaller extent, even more so. Like uh, part of my training, they said, well, why don't you work with people who have or serious and significant a severe, persistent mental illness. Um, engage with them, work with them, because then you see things in their more extreme forms, so then you can recognize them in their better form and work more mm, effectively. Right. So we're in, um, and not to be dramatic, but relatively speaking, more extreme forms. So we then move into social isolation. We start to discover our need or our dependence. As you were talking about introvert, extrovert earlier, uh, like Myers-Briggs, I'm technically an introvert, but I'm not that far from that middle line. Um, I'm discovering really I'm not as introverted as I thought. Um, mm. Like I need just a little bit of quick fuel, like refuel on my own, and then I'm back. Okay, where are people? Let's engage. And then it'll drain me more so because I'm not a full extrovert in that as well. But I'm discovering about myself. You start discovering about other people. It's hilarious. My neighbor was in the middle of the cul-de-sac just like hoping somebody would <laughs> come out, not too close. He's like, yeah, I'll do the social distancing, but can anybody want to hang out? Um, so extroverted um, in that too. But he'll probably discover more pieces of himself. So how do we then actually engage? So tonight we're going to do the birthday on FaceTime or Zoom or whatever it is. We might find this is fantastic. I have a buddy down in California who there are five of us in different places in the States. And we're going to do, I think it's Jackbox on like Google Chrome. We're going to be playing this game. It might flop. It might not work, um, but it might actually work quite well. And that mm. door is open and the the borders of, well, I mean, literal borders of um, countries, uh, provinces, states, all of a sudden are no different. Like I'm now just as far from my family in, say, New Westminster, another city in British Columbia, as I am from my buddy down in uh, mm. LA, California. Like I can, hey, eight o'clock, what are you doing? Uh, we can actually connect in this way. Or uh, what was it with uh, some friends we were talking about wine at nine or something like, hey, on the weekend, maybe we'll set up at nine o'clock, we'll sit down. Right. You can open a bottle of wine, we will too. And then we'll just actually engage over social media in some way and discover this works, here we go. 
So then hopefully we take that beyond and we can be even more intentional on how we're engaging with people because we're actually experientially not wondering, we're finding out, no, this, we, we make the most of it, we adapt. It's like we're talking about grieving. We're moving into reality and adjusting expectations and we can actually make the most of this here. But I think the big piece to make it work is that intentionality. Hmm. Uh, the risk is flippancy in the absence of the other person. Um, right. If you're then not here, I love you, Jer. Um, I'm not texting you. I'm not calling you. I'm not, you're here. I'm engaging with you. Why? Because we're in physical proximity to each other. So I'm, I'm devoting energy and focus. You're doing the same thing. The risk is tech only. Um, then, yeah, I might, oh, yeah, I'll get back to that text or this. It's a lot more flippant. It is powerful when somebody actually tunes in and engages. Uh, there's a cool mm. YouTube video where they sit for four minutes just looking into each other's eyes. Couples who are, I think it's like their third date. Uh, one couple, I think they had been together 40 or 50 years. And it was interesting, four minutes, how powerfully intimate it became and connected. Like the couple, they were together 40 years, but they hadn't done that. Four minutes. Um, but it was this focused intentionality that you are here, you matter, I'm going to engage with you, and we're actually going to bond and connect in that. We can do that through screens, believe it right. or not. So it's, it's grabbing that intentionality and actually pouring out more because we're not flippantly just tossing little snacks around. We're feeding relationships. Right. Yeah, I think that's, that's super smart. That's, that's important. The idea that we have to actually compensate for the attentiveness mm -hmm. and the presence because we have a barrier now. But it doesn't mean you can't find it at least to a certain percentage to replace that real human thing. Um, and that's way better than not replacing it at all mm -hmm. uh, and, ex you know, and, and failing to do that. It's kind of interesting. Like what, what would be some of the ways you would just say like crazy practical, like this is how you can be more engaged. Like if you're, yes, you're going to, you're going to reach out to friends. You're going to do more of these kind of like, you know, FaceTimes, Zoom calls, things with friends, families, whatever, because, okay, I need this. I can't be completely isolated. But then what are you saying would be like a couple things you're saying, just do it like this. Don't do this. Do mm -hmm. it like this so that you get that higher percentage of that experience uh, mm -hmm. than you wouldn't if you didn't. Uh, yeah, I think it would be setting up being intentional, especially so if you're not working right now, um, there's limited structure, rhythm, routine. Um, uh, somebody who was on staff before was posting a schedule of this is who we're going to FaceTime. This is uh, the meal that we're going to make. Like they're basically grabbing, and I think this can be healthy, some sort of structure, rhythm, control in the absence of well, we've got school to go to, we've got work to go to, we've got this, we've got all those sort of things. And it, it actually, I think, creates space for that intentionality. Like, oh, at 1230, I'm going to be talking with Jer. I will be there. I'll be present. I mean, counseling, we model this in right. many ways that there's nothing going on outside of here for me as much as possible. I am here and I am present. And so instead of little snacks, um, I'm giving you a meal right now. And yes, right. I'm not going to be going with you outside of this. So what can we do? Um, and this also goes with what we can't. Don't be flippant. Um, don't just, oh yeah, somebody texted, somebody called, here's a message. I'll just throw it out there. Yeah, you're going to need to do some of that, but make sure, especially for the people that are more in your core within your community, set up devoted time. And mm. it doesn't have to be like, I was talking about four minutes and I realize you can't sit across and sometimes that's weird um, to then gaze into somebody's eyes. It doesn't take a significant amount of time to then have, I am 100% here with you. 
how are you? Right. Um, because it gets to our fundamental things. Do I matter to you? If I reach for you, you're going to be there for me. That shows up in marriage, any relationship. You are bent then screaming out yes and yes. Like, hmm. I am here. I am with you. And that might even be a 15-minute, very focused call. And you don't have to make it weird. Meet your relationship where it is and just be as present as you can be. And then maybe you take a little bit deeper. Um, or maybe you're just laughing together. It doesn't have to be everything serious all the time. I get it. I, I like serious conversations, but I also like just laughing and being dumb with someone. But I'm just being dumb with them in that moment, and they are then there with me. There you go. I just got a good, I uh, got a meal. Right. So is that something that maybe really practically we could say, um, kind of like we talked about in our, in our, our first part chat, um, where it's like that muscle and you gotta, you gotta kind of develop mm -hmm. it and, and, and create that muscle memory around this, this feeling. And it's like, maybe it's when you're on a call, when you're on a FaceTime or whatever, silence your notifications or something, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's easy to have your laptop up or whatever. You're on a, you know, video chat with someone, your friend or family or something, but you're still seeing the text come in. You're still seeing an email come in or whatever. And you're just kind of listening to them. And then you're sort of side eyeing your screen, you know, typing because they can't see your fingers, you know? And it's like, that's, if you sit down with a person face to face and you act like that the whole time, that's a horrible interaction. Mm -hmm. And so just, you have to, what you're saying is be super intentional about that. And then maybe you just have to practice that. Like turn off those other notifications, make your video full screen so you don't see anything mm -hmm. else and there's nothing else going on around you in the room and you just force yourself to devote. I am freeing myself from the rest of the world to focus on this person right now or these people. And then you'll feel different. It mm -hmm. sounds like what you're saying. You just, mm -hmm. You'll feel different because it'll feel like a real interaction, which seems, you know, what we all need right now. And it goes both ways. That's the thing. So we're gifting somebody else with that. And that's, I mean, if you even look at what does it mean to love somebody, it's, you matter in this world. I'm here with you and for you. And just creating this space, um, it's actually a way for us to, I mean, there's a bonding that happens, a connection that happens. And it isn't just a pouring out. Like, if, if there's any connection or bond, two things have to come together for that to happen. It actually can nourish us. Yeah, I realize it's different if the other person's, uh, let's say it's uh, you're at an eight, you're at a nine, mm -hmm. and I'm at a three. Yeah, I'm going to be pouring out more than you're pouring back. But that's part of the relationship piece. Um, and then can we make sure that we have relationships that can do some pouring back? Sometimes we need to take a step back and do some of our own, okay, what do I need to do to refuel right now? But how can I be as here, as present, as engaged for your sake, but then also it's for mine too, because mm, I get to right. benefit from any contact right. that's made. I'm going to get super theological here just for our listeners. Of course. Because I think it's interesting. Is um, And I get to talk about whatever I want. So... Um, What's fascinating to me is um, when you understand even the theology around what it means that God knows everything, mm -hmm. um, it actually kind of warps with your brain on this question because I think we think that God operates in relationship with us the way that other people do. Where what we're used to is people give us some amount of attention, maybe when we get their attention. Even then, they're probably a little distracted at times but we have to get them in and out of attention for God to actually be theologically all knowing. Um, he is a hundred percent attentive to everything Crazy. at the same time. Crazy. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the weird mind melding, like theological thing about God is we view him through our lens of how we understand things as human beings. That's not him. He's, he's a transcendent being who, you know, the Bible says, 
is completely all-knowing, which means he's not accessing information, accessing attention, accessing... He's completely fully in all the time. So that means for you and me, he actually lives and exists in a mode of complete attentiveness to you and me all Mm -hmm. the time, which is crazy to think about. And I think if we understand this, you know, some of this deep theology of what we believe and what the Bible teaches us about God, man, just think about that in your life, even right now and everything we're going through. The idea of, wait, no, the God that I am trusting in this isn't someone who types away on email during a FaceTime. He knows and he's fully there Mm -hmm. with me all the time. And so I can go to prayer. And when I go to prayer with him, it's not like, you know, it's not like your Zoom meeting where you log in and you wait for him to show up. It's like, no, no, he's always logged Mm -hmm. in to you all the time. You're just choosing to access him. You could be accessing him all the time Mm -hmm. if you chose to. And that relationship is already, you know, always there. And just that idea that he then chooses to, you know, back to the point of the human touch, he chooses to become human in that Mm -hmm. because he understands our wiring for that human connection. So he actually descends and condescends himself into a human being so that we can experience that. Like, it's insane, this Mm -hmm. whole thing. And, Mm -hmm. And how so much of it is pertinent to what everyone is going through right now. The hope, that idea of just who God actually is, that sometimes these moments maybe help us to to see some of that theology differently and practically in our life. And I would hope people people hear that and understand that. That again, like we did the last uh, the last episode, it's it's melding that here are practices and practical things, but also here's the the spiritual and the theological side of this that actually reframes and reorients your perspective, and you combine that with good practice and like, yeah, maybe there's a road here to being able to deal with and endure this stuff well. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably my biggest hope that um, in the not returning to what we were before, like I was saying, um, I'm praying more, I'm praying with my wife more, I'm more intentional in the word, I'm trying to tune in to what it is that God's saying in ways that I haven't before. And, and I think this uh, parallels with the isolation piece that you can be isolated, you can be alone, but not lonely. Um, mm. There's a big distinction yeah. then there. And so it is during these times, especially in those times of isolation, that we can, the Bible talks about that still small voice uh, then of God, that in the absence of all the information, all of this, if we choose to disconnect from it, because that's a thing, we'll take our phones into isolation and all that, but if we can be intentional of sitting down with God and actually, like, recognizing, like, I, I don't even have words to describe how crazy that is that um, he is always accessible, he's always responsive, he's always engaged, like, he's just right there. Yeah. Um, what? Um, that's, man, if I can get a pocket of engagement um, with my wife, with my kids, with somebody else, that's wonderful. Um, always there, always present, and so loving, so mighty, so powerful. And then the beauty of the Holy Spirit, so you're then saying, he then came down in flesh to then make contact with people here on earth, and not just that, yeah, died on the cross, came back to life by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then gifting us with the Holy Spirit that if we then believe in him, uh, it says that we'll be saved, and then the, uh, he comes to live within us. Right. So I could be in the smallest, darkest corner um, on that island with my honey bunches of oats reading <laughs> my wonderful book, watching my movie. He is with me in that. And that's part of my prayer, too, that I come into greater contact with him. And that's, that's my prayer for um, everybody who's listening as well, that... Like right now, he's there. You you talk to him. You engage. You yeah. slow down. 
right there, showed up. He's, he's responsive in that regard and recognizing he's our anchor. He's got all things and he wants to so deeply connect with us. And you can, and it shows up even in your physiology. My, my doctoral research paper was on anxiety and centering prayer. It was mm. actually, uh, it's a form of contemplative prayer where mm-hmm. you then slow down to the moment to just be still and know that God's with you. That's essentially what it is. And what we found was that uh, anxiety was reduced significantly more than just sitting still on your own. Um, and just as much as uh, regular relaxation techniques. But they weren't doing the relaxation. They were just sitting there like, okay, God, you're with me. Um, mm. And a soothing and a calm then came for them. Powerful, powerful, powerful. And that's just, that's in the natural sense, but supernaturally, like he is within us. The Spirit's ministering to us, ministering for us, like with groanings beyond words. Like, man, he's not just with us. He's like advocating for us to yeah. Jesus at the Father's right hand. Like, the whole Trinity is at work, like in relationship with us, and we get to come into that. And what a beautiful thing. And so, especially during those times when you're feeling that distance, when you're feeling that disconnect, yeah, that, that's going to come with it. That, um, that's not something wrong with you. It's because you're relational. But don't neglect that he is so with you in that moment. He's just saying, hey, I want to hang out. I want to be with you. Um, I want to join with you. I want to hold you. I want to care for you. I want to fight for you. Like, oh, man, um, yeah. that's the God we serve. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe just uh, the last thing I kind of want to ask you, and this is uh, from both the the hat of pastorally and clinically, uh, you know, the church is here to be how, you know, the mode that God works into the world through. I mean, that's like, it's, that's our function. So what is the role we have as the church in this moment of isolation? Uh, What is it then with all this we've just been talking about that we can do uh, to provide hope and this kind of connection in the world? What's our responsibility, actually, as as the church right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, love, essentially. As much, even as we talk about gradations, love to the extent that you are physically allowed to um, mm-hmm. and is appropriate. Um, so following, yeah, what the government regulations, health minister, all that, what can I do in order to best engage with people to give them the most amount of connection, relationship, love as possible? And then as things um, either remain or maybe become more restrictive, you then, you pour out with um, as much heart, which I think is that intentionality piece, as you can. That means making calls, that means FaceTime. Um, If we are allowed to then go out, like at the church right now, we have the delivery, like there are people who are isolated and shouldn't go out. They're gonna be more vulnerable and so, we can then go help get supplies for them. We can do that. It's being the church. You've got neighbors, um, your next door neighbor, the person in your complex, wherever they are, go like, hey, how can I be there for you? And really be praying for people, praying for those then around you. It also helps us get outside of ourselves. Um, Sometimes when the fear comes in, we then lock down, we get super functional and we just start spinning in that. By lifting other people up, it puts it in perspective two Mm -hmm. things, that God is over all of this. And then for others, um, we're actually engaging with them. And uh, God, help me to know the ways that I can be praying for this. We've been praying for the church, global village church as well, in light of what's going on. I've got more time. I still have job and work to do, but this is like right on the forefront. Be praying for those things. Like, man, we love and we pray. I think that's the biggest things. And those are two things that no matter how isolated we are, we can't lose that. The love of uh, God the Father and then the love that we can have for other people within what we're allowed to do to be praying, to be extending, to be reaching out. That's what church is all about, right? Right. Yeah, and I think the barriers just create 
a chance to be innovative. It's the, the call is never different. We're, we're supposed to love. And now we have certain different barriers and restrictions. That just means we get in. There's nothing more innovative than God becoming a human being. Mm. That's as innovative as it gets to cross a line of division in order to show God's love. And so for us, it's that same challenge. How do we as the church now with these different restrictions and things just innovatively do that really well for each other? And I think, you know, it's been really cool talking to you about all this because a lot of the theme I think that you've talked about is intentionality. And if we can embrace that as people, intentionality, having purpose, being attentive, all these things that kind of the fast-paced technological world that's ground to a halt right now doesn't allow us to do usually, now we can actually kind of do mm-hmm. um, because we might have the ability to be more um, dialed in with a person than normal. And so let's take the opportunity to do that because that's actually what God's likely calling us to do as the church right now in this moment. So thanks. Thanks for sitting down mm-hmm. for doing these, these episodes. Uh, I think it's hopefully really helpful for people. Uh, it's been helpful for me even just talking this through and, and listening to some of the stuff you're saying and how I can apply that. I need to be more attentive at home. My wife, geez, does not think I'm attentive. <laughs> same, same here. I'm learning. Even without sports on, for some reason I can't pay attention to what she's asking me at home. Anyways, uh, so no, I really appreciated this. And uh, hopefully uh, everyone listening, uh, you can take some of these nuggets out and this will actually be something you can use in your life. I'd really encourage mm-hmm. you to force yourself do some of this muscle memory stuff force yourself to do some of these actual practices and then to lean into the spiritual side of this at the same time so thanks for being with us and we'll see you on our next anything goes podcast episode